Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Lighthouse Faith Podcast, moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. You know, women have a tendency uh, to blame themselves when life goes wrong, and sometimes they fear uh, that past mistakes define their future. Well, Sarah Jakes Roberts has another narrative for you and, and, and one that means you need to break up with those fears and just simply evolve. Uh, Sarah, you may recognize her name, is the daughter of the world-renowned pastor Bishop T.D. Jakes, founder of the Dallas Mega Church, the Potter's House. And Sarah has become a minister in her own right. Uh, she and her husband, Torrey Roberts, uh, co-pastor the Potter's House in Los Angeles and Denver. And Sarah's new book, Woman Evolve, Break Up With Your Fears and Revolutionize Your Life, is really the tip of the iceberg for a new lifestyle movement she launched three years ago. And Sarah Jakes Roberts joins me now. Uh, So excited to talk with you, Sarah. Welcome. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Lauren. So I want to, first of all, talk about... um, uh, talk about the um, Woman Evolve Lifestyle Movement you launched three years ago. Uh, what is that about? It, everything really started with this revelation that I had about Eve. When I first started speaking, I was just sharing my story, which, you know, I talk about my teen pregnancy. I talk about toxic relationships and then me finally coming to this place where I needed to just accept my truth, accept my past, receive God's love, and then determine how I wanted to move forward. And when I first started speaking, people would invite me to just come and tell my story. And they'd say, you need to have a conference. You need to write a book. You should do this. You should do that. But I never had a revelation that I felt was worthy of the work that goes into facilitating those things until I met Eve in a fresh new way. And from that, I birthed this woman, Evolve. If you say Evolve slowly, you can kind of hear Eve's name. Um, yeah, which was yeah. kind of my ode to her life. Yeah, you know, the, the one thing I remember um, when we spoke at the same conference a few years ago at a church outside of Chicago, and I remember you saying about Eve, he says, you you just had to do one thing. <laughs> you know, you just had to do. <laughs> we gave you one job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just one job, and yeah, blew it. Uh, you know, I think it's really, really important. Um, but we talk about Eve as in Adam and Eve, as in the fall. Um, and, you know, why does Eve's story inspire you? Because you actually tell in the book how you fell in love with Eve. And honestly, no one has ever fallen in love with Eve in all the sort of exegesis of theology and doctrines I've seen. They, they, they're like, okay, well, you know, uh, she, you know, she, she, you can blame her, you can pity her, but she's really re- not rarely, not often celebrated. So why did you fall in love with Eve? Well, you know, uh, like many people, I, I saw this idea of Eve, you knew better. How could you do this? How could you just one job, one thing? And now we're all suffering because of that one mistake. And the more that I vilified her, the more I really felt challenged to see if there was anything that I could relate to in her story 
And I went back and looked at Genesis with that lens and I realized that she did know better and didn't do better. And instantly alarm started ringing in my own mind because there's been plenty of moments where I knew better, but didn't do better as well. But the more that I kept reading about her story, I see that after she has this fall in the garden in Genesis 3 and 15 that, you know, ultimately God says that she can come back from this, but it's going to have to do with her seed, her ability to produce after the pain, her ability to produce in spite of her fear. And we see her producing. We know things didn't go well with Cain and Abel, but then Seth yeah. is introduced in Genesis 4. And we see that that generation begins to call upon the name of the Lord, but it all started because Eve picked up the pieces of her life in spite of what she went through. And because of that, humanity was able to reconnect with God. And obviously she paves the way for our ultimate redeemer in Jesus. But we don't tell that part of the story. Her story ends the moment where she fails. And so many women feel like their hope, their promise, their potential ends from that moment where they ate from whatever their forbidden fruit was. And I felt like yeah. if I could rescue Eve, then maybe I could rescue other women who felt that way. You know, it's all interesting because even, you know, Adam blames Eve, you know, it's, you know, like, you know, God asks, yeah. you know, it's like, what did you do? And, so, and Adam says, well, it's that woman you gave me, you know, so it's always <laughs> the woman's fault, you know, yeah. I mean, that's even today. My husband does the same thing to me. Well, I, it's your fault. I did this. It's like, I was nowhere near that. But you point out, <laughs> you, you, and then you actually point out, and this is very interesting because I want to drive this home, uh, this point home is that you point out that other women in the Bible are celebrated. I mean, you talk about Sarah and Ruth and yeah. Esther and Mary, and you tell the story about the the hashtag squad goals. I mean, this is <laughs> this is this is you know why do we want to celebrate those women that kind of leave Eve um, in the dustbin? <laughs> you know, Lauren, that's it. I was at a women's conference where I saw these shirts, and it said Sarah, and Mary, Esther, Ruth, hashtag squad goals. And I think we like to celebrate these women because of their faith, because of the miracles that we see performed in their lives. And so much of us wants to believe, so many of us rather want to believe that supernatural things can take place in us and through us. And yet we don't deal with the natural that comes with that supernatural. And Eve is just natural. And yet, in spite of her being just natural. She was the first woman to really have a relationship with God. And so I think that we do ourselves a disservice when we skip over her and focus exclusively on women who have experienced miracles and, and breakthroughs and yet rob ourselves of the ability to learn from a woman who just felt flat out human, who made a human mistake, but had a God who met her exactly where she was. That's the truer story of what it means to be a woman navigating life. And so I think we feel admiration, but yet distance. And we see that in culture, in, in celebrity culture, and admiring people on social media. It's easier to look at people who feel out of reach, but those people who are within reach require we become more delicate with ourselves, and that takes work. Wow. How is your own life like Eve's? Oh, goodness. Okay. So uh, what I love about Eve is this no better and do better thing. You know, it depends on what day it is and how much rest I had and how many carbs I'm eating or, or not eating. <laughs> it depends on if I'm in Eve mode. That's what I call it, Eve. Eve came to work today. She's knowing better, but she's not doing better. She's eating French fries. Um, she's having self-defeating thoughts. She's insecure today. She, she knows that she shouldn't be, but she knows better and isn't doing better. And, um, you know, that shows up in my life in, in countless ways. And yet I realized that 
you know, one of the things we even talk about in the book is without Eve, there would be no Mary. And without Mary, there is no Eve. And so I very much so live on this bridge between Mary and Eve, depending on what's happening in my life. You know, and you talk about too, which I think is very interesting. And this is so happens uh, to women a lot that, you know, you sort of, I talked about this in the introduction about how your past just starts to define your future. And you get so, we get so bogged down in that. How do women evolve out of that trap? to go forward? Well, I think that's such a great question. And obviously as a teen mom, as a divorcee, it's something that I've had to confront myself. I think a lot of times we feel like if this one thing happened to me, then this is who I am forever. And we don't give ourselves enough credit to really zoom out of the picture of our identity. This isn't disconnecting from your past. This is simply deciding to not be exclusively defined by it. So yes, I am a teen mom. Yes, I am a divorcee, but I'm also an author and a friend and a mother and a wife for the second time. Like There are all of these different nuances to who I am. And when we begin to limit ourselves to just that one particular thing that happened to us, then we don't see the hope and promise and potential in what is left. You're more than what happened to you or what you experienced. And yet the onus is on us to trust and believe that as God sees us, that we are bigger um, than those moments. And that takes vulnerability and courage. And you know, it also takes surrounding with people who will let you go forward in that courage because, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of friends do mean well. And, but sometimes they want to keep you in that spot of vulnerability. They want to keep you in that spot of, you can't do anything. You know, they, they, they bring up the, you know, Oh, but you know, you've got this in your background, so you can't do this. I mean, how do you deal with that? Uh, I, I balance that with boundaries. Uh, there are some people who literally cannot, they, it's not even, bad intentions. They just cannot see beyond your moment because a lot of times they can't see besides uh, beyond their own. But when I'm in a time of my life where I know that I'm experiencing a transformation or um, my wounds are being opened so that they can be healed, I have to be really intentional about who I allow access to my dreams, to that incubation period of, of my purpose or a process. And when I recognize people who aren't helping that journey, I create boundaries. I don't offer myself up to them. Or if they begin to say something that feels negative, you know, I'd, I'd shift the conversation. I, I start spreading out those text message responses because you've got to create an environment that is healthy for the seed of who you're supposed to be to take root and produce fruit. And uh, there are a lot of people who uh, contaminate our soil with their opinions. Oh my goodness, you're so right. Um, I want to I want to um, ask you though too because I think this is sort of the elephant in the room about people who actually look about the Bible and the story of Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden. What do you say to people who believe that, that the account of Adam and Eve is just allegory? Um, they they say feel they 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 fail to see the wisdom in what God is telling us. I mean, it used to be people could agree to disagree. It's like okay, well maybe it's allegory, maybe it's just wisdom, maybe it actually happened, but. Um, let's just agree to disagree. And now people, there are people who actually will base their whole faith on whether they believe that this actually happened or not. So what do you tell people who are kind of in that quandary about uh, the, the garden in Adam and Eve? Well, I'll tell you whether you believe it or not, our lives, especially as women, 
have been affected by what's taking place in this part of scripture. So much about what we see with women uh, playing out corporately, professionally, politically goes back to this perception of what it means to be a woman that is rooted in Eve. And so, uh, you know, whether you believe in it or not, your life has certainly been affected by it. I think the larger conversation about faith and whether or not um, God is real and we can hold on to his truth and his promises comes down to personal encounters. And so I also say to people who are questioning and wondering, and we live in you know, a society that often makes us question our faith with the headlines we see, with the you know, injustices that we are constantly exposed to, the question has to be, you know, where is God in the middle of this? But I think there's a posture in which we say it. We can say it from frustration. We can say it from anger, or we can say it from an actual curiosity. And whenever there's an actual hunger and curiosity, God will prove himself to a, who, to whomever is open in that space. And so, um, you know, as it relates to the story, you've been affected, but that deeper level of faith, I think it comes down to really saying, God, where are you? and looking for the presence of God in the midst of our lives. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I want to take a break real quick, but I mean, I think I, we want to come back and talk about just the idea of that good and evil about, you know, uh, is, is, can, can you trust God? Um, is God always going to be good for you? And that sort of thing, because we start to question a lot of things about God when life does not go the way we think it should go. So we're going to take a break right now on Lighthouse Faith, Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'll be right back with Sarah Jakes Roberts. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, I am back with Sarah Jakes Roberts. She is a woman extraordinaire, really. She is she co-pastors a church uh, with her husband Tori and uh, and in Los Angeles and Denver. She's the daughter of Bishop T D Jakes, um, and you know, Sarah, I have to ask how much how much did you learn being in the presence of Bishop T D Jakes? And I know there's always you know, when you're too close to somebody that everybody admires, you know, you always see the flaws and all of all that. But how much did you learn from him? Uh, you know, I think I am understanding more in my adulthood what I learned from him as I'm put in situations and circumstances that make a demand on something that doesn't feel like it's in me. But in those moments, I feel like parts of what I've been exposed to begin to rise up. But growing up, I would have felt like very little as it relates to ministry, just because I was so uninterested in ministry and being um, in any type of, you know, pastoral role that I wasn't even paying attention to learn any lessons. But I think as most parents understand that your parent, that your children learn what you do, not what you say. And I think yeah. watching him do, even though I wasn't paying attention, prepared me for where I am now. I mean, that had to have been really difficult for him. You know, here his daughter is a teenage mother and, you know, I, I run, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And here she, how did, how did that affect your relationship? Oh, well, I, you know, as a parent, I can tell you when I'm sitting down holding my babies, you know, no one dreams that your child's going to get pregnant at 13. And so I do think that there was this deep grief that my father experienced, that my mother experienced, that anyone who was, you know, a part of my life at that time experienced, and yet they didn't allow grief to keep them from love. 
my own shame, my own um, fear, my own upset and anger at having them experience that really plagued me for a very long time, but they rose above the grief. And so I think as I navigated shame and self-forgiveness or, or the lack thereof, that I was able to come to a place where our relationship became healthier. But our shame, my shame was a wedge between us for a, for a long time. Wow. You know, and that's why I love, I love so much you're talking about Eve in the garden, because, you know, the Bible's not big on details in terms of what was Adam and Eve's relationship, you know, when they talked to each other after the fall. And he says, well, you know, why did you eat that? Why did, I mean, I don't understand what, what, what possessed you. And so there, we don't get a lot of details, um, but there is a changed relationship after that. And you've got to how do you repair relationships after something like that happens? Oh, goodness. You know, uh, <laughs> the pity with them eating from this fruit, um, as the Bible says, it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And some of what damages us the most in relationships is that we feel like I have this new knowledge of a good or evil side of a person and yet empathy and compassion is really the bridge that allows us to move towards healing. Uh, when I first saw Adam, you know, when I was reading it after I kind of fell in love with Eve and I heard him say the woman you gave me at first, I was like, look at him throwing Eve under the bus. So now I went from being mad at Eve to mad at Adam. <laughs> but, you know, I think there was something powerful about him saying, God, look at what you gave me. It feels like it hurts. And yeah. I think that when we find ourselves in relationship with people and we felt like, man, this was a good thing. How could it turn into something so bad, so terrible that him being vulnerable enough to kind of offer it back up to God and say, like, what do I do with this is how we end up moving forward in relationships to remember that before they were our spouse, our child, our whoever that they begin with God means that God can also give us wisdom on how we navigate living with them or, or even separating from them in a way that still feels healthy and maintains our boundaries and their soul as we continue to live in the world together. You know, it's very interesting to hear you talk because you talk about in the book about you, you were actually not very confident, kind of shy when you were younger. And yeah. I've seen you, you know, preach. <laughs> There's nothing shy about that. <laughs> you exude such confidence and it is such um, a wonderful story of victory um, that you were on. And how do you do that? How did you turn that around and, cre and get this confidence that um, that you, it seems just divine in terms of just you it, know, your life. It's only divine. Um, you know, I believe in what I have to say. I believe in the change and power that I have experienced in my own life. And I feel like if anyone got to experience that for themselves, that they would see their lives healed and changed. And so I stepped in to a space confident about what it is I have to share more than I am confident in myself. And I felt like that makes a difference. And then, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I'm up here. So like, I'm either going to just sit up here and, and give them the mic back and tell them no, or I'm going to dare to stand toe to toe with someone else's fear, toe to toe with someone's anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the beautiful things of me having to fight from such a very early age, fight to keep showing up, fight to keep my head held high, fight to have a baby on your hip when going through a grocery store and not just cave into the depression and fear 
and insecurity with that is that I feel like I've, I've gotten to exercise that muscle in other arenas and now I get to do it to help other people. So I just overcome my own insecurities and fears to get it done. You know, something you say in the book too, uh, I think you have a, a section called You Are Known. And it struck me that that's a woman, that's a woman's way. They, a woman will admit something that men will never seem to get to, which is um, being fragile on the inside, that women kind of know it, but sometimes they get stuck there and they don't know how to, uh, to, to kind of address what that is. And, and being known is the key, right? Being known. Absolutely. To have real intimacy within yourself to be able to say, you know, today I don't feel like superwoman and yet I still have to put on my cape, which means who do I need in my circle? What do I need in my environment to help me rise to the occasion is so important. Fragility is not an indictment. Fragility is how we were created. We're supposed to be fragile and sensitive enough to understand the human experience. But fragility comes with the knowledge that there's also a protection that even if I fail even if things don't go the way that I want to, there is a lesson that will make me stronger than I was before. And so, um, you know, I'm praying that men can come to this space too, where they are willing to be more known and more delicate with themselves instead of caving into what society says that they should be. And I'm also prayerful that women don't stay in that place of just fragility, but fragility, mm -hmm. but showing up anyway, I feel is key. You know, one of the things too, that is, um, it's only really the first step, you know, self-knowledge in order to evolve. But, you know, this knowledge of good and evil, and I think this is where Eve really helps us understand. She came face to face with evil and didn't know it at really yeah. at the time. Can you kind of explain how our lives today kind of mirror that? Kind of, we, we, oh my goodness. you know, we come in the presence of evil and then don't even recognize it. Girl, you're speaking my language. There's a book, <laughs> there's a chapter in the book called The War of Seed, because in Genesis 3 and 15, God's talking to the serpent and he tells the serpent, there's going to be a war. There's enmity between, between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. So the woman has a seed. The woman began with God. She's carrying the seed of who God is. And then the serpent has a seed. We know that that seed is evil. And yet when we're dealing day to day with this war of seed, we call it things like fear. We call it anxiety. Mm -hmm. We call it low self-esteem. We call it depression. Um, those are not just symptoms of something that is we can take casually. That is a seed that is being deposited into our life that goes to war with the seed of who God has called us to be. I talk a lot in the book about, so let's get to therapy. Let's address the health issues. Let's make sure that we are coming to a place where this seed does not consume our minds so much so that that good seed, that God seed isn't able to take root and flourish in our lives. It's how we allow people to treat us. It's how we don't stand up for ourselves. It's how we um, shrink when we are faced with opportunities to speak up. And I think we've made it so casual that it feels so easy to just live in this shriveled up version of who we um, feel like we could be because to ruffle the feathers of people who've known us as one particular way feels like it would be stressful. And yet that is uh, what keeps us from really becoming monumental 
monuments of glory for the people who are connected to our lives. And so, you know, to take the casual nature from some of the things that we've come to receive and accept as truth and saying, no, I want to change that. I want to see growth there. I want to see transformation there. It's really empowering, but it does take um, this tenacity to really see it from the right perspective. You know, it's it's because it, it also gets back to what people seem to focus on in the account in Genesis where God says, be fruitful and multiply. And for centuries, for generations, everybody thinks it's about having children. You know, you just pop out yeah. some babies every other week, other year. But you actually expand that. It applies not just to having children, you know, because some women like me, I've never had children. And I, at my age, I probably will never have children. So it also has to apply to ideas, to, to talents, for the yeah. flourishing of humanity in what women's gifts can give in a fruitful way, right? Oh my goodness. Look at this podcast. Look at what you've been able to do as a person of faith in a mainstream audience and how you're bringing uh, new voices and different backgrounds into the forefront. This is fruitful and multiplication if ever there was any. And I feel like this is such an important conversation because so many women, their womanhood has been defined by whether or not they marry or whether or not they have children. And if they aren't able to do those things, whether it's by choice or biologically, then their value somehow has been diminished. And yet the truth is that there is so much more to you than what comes out of you physically. There are ideas waiting to come out of you, organizations, love, nonprofits waiting to come out of you, books and businesses waiting to come out of you that can quite literally make the world a better place. We're not just talking about making money. I mean, the world can become better because your idea is in the earth. And we need to empower more women to see themselves outside of just women who are able to reproduce. And I have children. That is a beautiful gift. But I also have this desire to see women set free and the legacy of what we do with our ideas and our um, purpose and our graces is so important. And I would say in some instances, it is just as important um, as whether or not we have children because, um, you know, the world needs light. <laughs> we need lighthouses. Yeah. We need women who are willing to take their position. Um, you know, interesting because um, we talk about, you talk about, which I love in the opening pages, talk about the power of the curse, really. It says, uh, I just want to read this part. It says, I know what you're thinking. Fall in love with Eve. How is that even possible? The woman uh, most popularly known for being the gateway of sin, debauchery, cramps, bloating, uh, labor pain, dysfunctional relationships, insecurities, depression, disease, stretch marks, <laughs> acne, and the list obviously dot, dot, dot goes on. Um, the power of the curse. And I think uh, uh, I don't want to belabor the point about that. Cre the creation story in Genesis um, is, I'm not going to say it's allegory. I'm not going to say it's anything else any, uh, or, or, or true or whatever, but you're, but one of the things I've heard about um the story of Genesis is that God is far more interested in telling us the why instead of the how, you know, yeah. he's more, far more interested in telling, you know, you know, why, why he made the world. Um, you know, you're not going to find about, you're not going to find out the details of string theory in the book of Genesis, but by the same token, you will not find anything in there that contradicts it. So we've got, so, so God has given us enough wisdom to kind of make our way in the world, but there is this power of the curse. And 
Tell me about how powerful this is. Oh, goodness. I have chills just thinking about it. This is this this right here. What I'm going to share is what changed everything for me. Um, in Genesis 3 and 15, when God is giving the curse to the serpent and he says to the serpent, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. That word enmity means hostility. You are going to get on the woman's nerves and the woman is going to get on your nerves. A lot of times <laughs> we as women don't recognize that we have the ability to get on the enemy's nerves and not just the serpent. I mean, any enemy, if a woman gets on fire about something, she changes what's happening in her community. But then anyway, it says in between your seed and her seed. And then he talks about his seed. All of a sudden there's a pivot and it says his seed. And that his is capitalized. His seed is going to bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. And that moment, I realized that the serpent is going to bruise the heel of the woman's seed. The woman's seed is going to go through some bruising. The woman's life, the woman's hope, the woman's faith, it's going to go through some bruising. Not every day is going to be easy. But in exchange, she has the ability to combine with God's power and bruise the head of the enemy. This is a crushing blow. The power of this is that it is a foreshadowing of Jesus's life. It's telling us that even in this moment, even in the middle of this curse, there is a promise for redemption. There is a promise for restoration. The power of the curse is that the curse is not the end. The curse is just the beginning of where restoration begins. And my prayer, even as I look back at my life as a teen mom, it felt in many ways like this is a curse. How can I ever rebound? I'm having a baby at 14 years old. It's going to change the way everyone sees me. It's going to change the way everyone looks at me. But it was also the beginning of woman evolution. It was also the beginning of this book. This moment right here, me talking to you was hidden in that teenage pregnancy. And so if we have the ability to look beyond the curse, we can find the power and the blessing and the restoration connected to it. That is absolutely powerful. And I want to tell people about the book. It's called Woman Evolve. Um, it's just break up with your fears and revolutionize your life. And Sarah Jakes Roberts, I want to thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast because you know you have just this, this marvelous voice and I'm a big champion of someone who actually looks at Eve and says, no, wait a second, she has something to say to us. She has something mm -hmm. to, to help us grow and to be part of this, 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 this narrative of redemption that we're, it's, it's, it didn't just, you know, end with Eve in the garden. It is now continuing. And that women today can be a part of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for seeing the beauty in this story and for being a champion of it as well. Well, I want to thank you for being here. And I want to thank everyone else for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. And Sarah, really quickly, how can they find more about your movement of the lifestyle movement? Where do they go? Absolutely. You can follow us on any of the socials. We're at Woman Evolve or go to womanevolve.com to get information about our courses, events, um, books, podcasts. We've got a lot of ways that we're hoping to help women evolve into the best version of themselves. And and if and if Sarah Jakes Roberts comes to your, your town to speak at a church, you better go see her because she's really <laughs> powerful. I want to thank you so much. And thank you so much for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Have a blessed day. I'm Lauren Green. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.